One of the tough things with COVID, it was really coming at a time when the government had spent a ton of time and there was a tremendous spirit of uh, change and reform that was working through government already. You are listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Kelsey Warner, future editor. Today, we're talking about Abu Dhabi real estate with Aldar's Chief Financial and Sustainability Officer, Greg Fewer. Aldar Properties, Abu Dhabi's biggest listed developer, reported 21% revenue growth and a 2% jump in its second quarter net profit, despite restrictions to contain the spread of COVID-19. Greg, the second quarter reflects a shutdown. Work from home orders, malls closed, and then the easing of those restrictions and the reopening of Abu Dhabi. So what was driving interest in Aldar properties during this time? What do you attribute this kind of surprising result to for Q2? Well, Kelsey, our Q2 numbers reflected a couple things, really. You know, um, it reflected our uniquely diversified business model, uh, reflected a, a staff and a, and a team who was just executing uh, exceptionally well. Um, you know, from the business model standpoint, I mean, we're a pretty unique animal in, in, in the region and even in the world in terms of our business model, where we have a very large home building business and we have a very large and diversified REIT or recurring revenue you know, asset business that has large uh, investments in residential apartments and villas and malls and, and uh, commercial offices and other things. So. You know, when you have a diversified uh, portfolio of investments, it, uh, the nice thing about diversity is that you'll have softness in certain sections. And we absolutely had softness as a result of COVID. You know, our hotels shut down, our malls shut down. Uh, these are significant, significant business uh, events and disruption for us. Um, but on the other side, we've got elements of our recurring revenue portfolio that performed well. You know, multifamily residential villas and apartments is an area that continued uh, to, to perform. People paid rent. Commercial office portfolio continued to perform. We've got government and near government entities comprising the majority of our of our of our tenants, and we've got a home building business that um, you know showed tremendous resilience and indeed one of the you know uh, interesting byproducts of COVID in, in, in Abu Dhabi was that the business of construction really continued. And so the business of handing over apartment, uh, apartments that we had sold, the business of continuing projects on site uh, continued. So those 8,000 units under development at the end of 2019 were still continuing apace throughout the second quarter. Yeah, in fact, when COVID hit, we're, we were in the midst of a particularly busy handover cycle where not only is it an intense period you know, on site, but we also ask customers to to come and take over their their apartments and take over their villas, and you know we were very encouraged by um, our ability and our supply chain's ability, and again a tremendous I, just, I couldn't uh, cite enough stories about just the the resilient, strong performance from our staff, from our suppliers, from our contractors who continued working in a, in sometimes very uncertain environments, and customers who who really wanted their real estate and and. So there was a commerciality uh, that, that uh, continued through COVID that was that was quite encouraging. And, and again, that all reflects in our numbers. And back in March, I mean, you did prop up, you did offer some support to those customers, those suppliers. You Alder announced a range of initiatives worth an estimated 100 million dirhams to support 
those residents and tenants, as I said. These included payment plans, waiving fees, allocating funds to be sure contractors and suppliers were funded. If there is a second wave, do you foresee or predict extending more support? Yeah, I mean, listen, we, we take our market leadership position very seriously. And, and uh, you know, as the team, you know, when COVID hit, we thought it was very important that we were seen uh, stepping up early in this crisis and providing uh, leadership to our board and, and our CEO, uh, Talal, you know, they were, they were all extremely keen to um, assess and adjudicate and, uh, you know, count our numbers and, and assess the situation. And then uh, to the best of our ability, announce early uh, this, this program and portfolio they referred to. We've since bumped it to 190 million overall on support for our customers across uh, our group and our suppliers you know, to bring a degree of stability um, and predictability to one of the most unpredictable you know, moments in, in, you know, the world's history, really. And, and you know, uh, from a lead, from a sector leadership perspective, I think to, to have that kind of uh, support from the board um, uh, was very important and helped to come out early and announce uh, that so that our customers and our tenants uh, and our suppliers can, uh, you know, could, it, could see and achieve some degree of, of uh, stability uh, in, in that tough time. And we're adding to it. So I think it's something that we're monitoring we're monitoring our financial position and we're monitoring how our consumers are doing. Uh, we just announced um, just this week, uh, you know, accepting uh, rental payments uh, from, from tenants in our residential portfolio via credit card. It uh, sounds like a small thing and, and costs us a lot of money. But I think, you know, again, it's one of those measures that at this time, um, it just brings a degree of flexibility uh, at a time when flexibility is really needed. And, um, and, and we'll talk about sustainability. And it's just this, an example of a decision that is easy for us to make now because we're a market leader and we have financial strength. Um, we make business decisions for the long term. And, you know, being seen as a leader, you know, doing some short term tactical things that help our customers, we think in the long run actually puts us in a better position. We think we'll get more customers will come to us seeing how uh, we behave, you know, in both good times and bad. We've come a long way since the single rent check to cover a full year's tenancy agreement. So where does this credit card, where does this come from? I mean, flexibility, sure, building up customer loyalty. Is this so that tenants can pay month to month on a credit card? How does this work? Yeah, it's just, it's allowing payments via credit card. So I think instead of de depleting the, the cash account, there's an opportunity to make a payment, uh, you know, leveraging the, the credit facilities with, with the bank. And it's just about flexibility. It's about bringing more options uh, uh, to your customers that are relevant, that uh, help during, uh, during tough times, and, uh, and, and provide a degree of flexibility when flexibility is needed. Something that piqued my interest was that selling and marketing costs climbed 45% in the second quarter. Is it costing more these days to reach buyers? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think we sold, um, one of the nice things we, we did in Q2, and it certainly helped our numbers, was we liquidated and sold quite a bit of inventory. Um, and, and, and that's good. I mean, that's what people like us do. Um, you know, sometimes you need to, to provide discounts and, and you run promotions to get some of that last inventory over the line. And that's pretty standard. Uh, and that's what you're seeing in those numbers. But I think Encouragingly, you know, on the other side of all those, you're seeing sophisticated um, liquid 
investors and real estate investors willing, even at the at the height of COVID, to be putting uh, capital to work and to be deploying investment uh, dollars into what's a pretty attractive, you know, from a fundamentals long-term perspective, real estate market, which which is Abu Dhabi. So these are all things that were that were very encouraging uh, that we saw during Q2 that again showed up on our numbers that drove a lot of the uh, the growth and profit that we were able to post. So a phrase I saw come up a lot in Aldar's public documents, and you mentioned this a bit earlier, is this idea of diversified growth. Aldar, in terms of its brand presence, can probably be seen as a bit of a monolith. It started out 16 years ago as a property developer. And over time, of course, this has meant that these developments, as they get finished, you become an asset manager, earning income off of rent. And so today, Aldar has 20 billion dirhams worth of real estate assets in Abu Dhabi across residential, hotels, and retail by the end of 2019. So can we dig in a little bit to what a diversified portfolio actually looks like for Aldar these days? Like, where are you expanding? Is it by geography? Is it by asset class? Is it by price point? Like, is it all of the above? What does this look like, this idea of diversification at Aldar? Yeah, look, it's, it's a little bit of all the above. And I think um, that just to provide some some context to, to that, I mean, like, you know, we started life 15 years ago as, as a master developer. And that as a real estate company, that's a pretty unique business model uh, around the world. I mean, the UAE is a very young country. Uh, when Aldar was invented, it was a sand bank. Uh, and, and it was floated as a public uh, entity to go out and then to develop and to move the city's non-hydrocarbon um, uh, economic expansion from a real estate perspective, which was there to enable that non-hydrocarbon ex- economic expansion, just to enable that and, and, to, and, and to make it go. So by definition, as a, as a urban scale owner of real estate, we had uh, you know, land and we've made developments in the past that were in all the major food groups, as we say in real estate. So there's residential, commercial, uh, malls, hotels, schools, you know, all the main areas that you'd expect looking at an urban plan, you know, we had uh, assets uh, to develop and sell and retain in all those major areas. So our current position now, which is this powerful, you know, incumbency, we're the largest, you know, developer certainly in, in Abu Dhabi still. And because of that incumbency, you know, we, we have the largest, most diversified uh, base of assets that we have developed and we're evolving. So we started life as a developer, and most recently, we're becoming an asset manager. You know, a young company in the grand scheme of things. Uh, just uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we split off uh, uh, Aldar Investments, uh, which was our 100% owned subsidiary that actually owns and manages all of the, exist, uh, the existing real estate assets that we have. But because of our size, we've got scale and, and therefore depth of management talent in all those various areas, resi, commercial, retail, schools, um, and so we're very capable and competent operators across across all those areas, and that gives us opportunities to drive the efficiency with which we manage our, our assets into you know to growing the portfolio that those asset managers are, uh, manage, just because we're such strong and efficient operators. So we see growth in um, in our existing assets because we're the most uh, we believe the most efficient uh, operator and owner of real estate in our region. Um, and then there's, there is a chance to grow eventually outside of, of Abu Dhabi and uh, into some sectors that are missing in our current portfolio of, of assets, including warehouses, uh, logistics and others. Hospitality actually represents a relatively small part of your holdings, but it was the best performing real estate asset class in 2019, which is really interesting given what tourism is going through right now. Can you talk a little bit about that asset 
in particular and what your outlook is? Yeah, look, I mean, for for hospitality in our region now, it was really at the center of um, uh, of, of those businesses that were hit hardest by by COVID. So, you know, we we went to zero. I mean, that was a, an asset club. We have over 2,700 uh, hotel room keys in our portfolio, you know, all in Abu Dhabi, and they all shut down uh, uh, during the COVID period. In fact, the, the UAE's experience with, with COVID really started in one of our hotels with uh, at the, the the W on Yaz Island with um, one of the cyclist teams that came in. So we really had early and 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 the impact, a really powerful impact it has on your portfolio. So it's been the hardest hit. Uh, I think for hoteliers in our region, Q2 and Q3 are always dry periods, really. And you make a lot of hay when the sun starts shining in Q4 and Q1, when the events calendar really picks up and um, um, uh, the weather improves and tourism really, really improves. So, you know, look, we, we see uh, continued slowness through Q3. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the staycation market does. Uh, we've got a very active staycation file going, and, and you know, that's a new consumer behavior. And we're very keen to see and encouraged to what, what it's doing in our portfolio through the summer and into Q3. But the events calendar nationally in Q4 and, you know, they're just the just how COVID plays out and, and, and the global tourists propensity to travel, how quickly that comes back. That will say everything as to the, the, the speed with which we start turning profits again in um, whether it's Q4 next year or Q1. And then certainly we've got we've got Expo looking forward later on in 2021. So we talked a bit about this earlier, but the imprint Aldar makes on how we live and work and where we shop, like it's sort of all encompassing. If you've been to downtown Yaz Island, Reem, El Raha or Sadiat, you've probably been to a Aldar property. And during the pandemic, our preferences have sort of changed. I think there's this idea that we all want to be riding bicycles and, you know, at the beach and our homes now also need to be our offices. So how is Aldar kind of moving with the times? Are you paying attention to this? Is this going to change what your assets actually look like in the coming years? Oh, definitely. I mean, look, you cannot uh, uh, you cannot overstate the impact that COVID is going to have on consumer behavior. And I think what's really neat um, about what's going on is it's causing everyone to look at at all the customers and all their various business lines and ask the basic question around, you know, how will consumers want to consume you know, your products and services going forward? And, and real estate's really, you know, in the middle of that, you know, whether it's people that, you know, um, were living in apartments during lockdown and just got sick of it and now are moving into villas, you know, and, and so we're seeing that kind of behavior. And thankfully we have product to, to, to cater and to keep that, that customer happy within the Aldar, within the Aldar portfolio. You've got this culture of, of stay at home. I mean, I'm doing this call right now from, from my living room. Um, you know, how much will employers in the future uh, be changing the way that they, um, uh, you know, the, that they, uh, the kind of flexibility that they, that they employ with their, with their employees around working from home? Uh, I mean, very profound impact on the demand for commercial office real estate um, in the future. Um, with the retail portfolio, you know the you know the an existing trend that pre-existed already within within re, within retail, which was the drive online, um, uh, and and does COVID just really uh, exacerbate and speed up that trend, um, and and that has a tremendous impact on 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 our retail portfolio. So you know our managers that we think very very deeply. We spend a lot of time looking at data, talking to our customers. 
um, trying to sift through that which is a short-term reaction to COVID to that which is a long-term uh, undeniable trend that we need to get out in front of and, and start repositioning assets or inventing new assets that cater to these uh, very important, powerful consumer trends. But we're definitely seeing them. It's just really early in COVID right now to start uh, um, you know, really, really concluding around it. But we've got a very thoughtful team. I mean, our, our management team is very close, spent a lot of time on data, data management, you know, talking to our customers. And so we're doing all the right things to stay attuned to uh, these emerging trends so we can cater to them in our products and services. A little more than a year ago, speaking sort of of an emerging trend, actually, I mean, Abu Dhabi had amended their policies around foreign investors and freehold property. Were you starting to see an uptake in foreign investor interest? What is the makeup of a typical buyer, especially amid, you know, uh, environment of falling prices in Abu Dhabi for both rent and to buy? You know, one of the tough things with COVID, it was really coming at a time when the government had spent a ton of time you know, and there was a tremendous spirit of uh, change and reform that was working through government already just as, as COVID hit around those topics, as you mentioned, of residency. So, um, uh, you know, so, you know, tremendous reform at the federal level about opening up residency to to um, to, to non-citizens, uh, the the efficient 100 percent freehold ownership of real estate, uh, the ability to own 100 percent of companies. And so entrepreneurs around the world to come and trade in our region and own businesses, uh, own them 100%. I mean, all these reforms were just being rolled out, you know, when COVID hit. And I think one of the things that has us encouraged about, about the real estate market in Abu Dhabi is that, you know, when COVID moves away, when, when you know, our uh, market emerges from COVID and, and the euphoria that will <laughs> That every country who emerges from COVID will be will, will be feeling. We're going to be able to showcase the Abu Dhabi real estate market to the world for the first time in a positive market environment with residency, you know, reform with, with residency reform fully embedded, with foreign ownership of real estate fully embedded, both with the real estate law and the regulations that followed, and with foreign direct investment reform also uh, completed. And, and we've never, ever had a chance to show the world um, the Abu Dhabi real estate market with all those three things in place, which really starts to put us on par with the kind of success that Dubai's had down the road in bringing foreign uh, investors into the real estate market uh, because of some of those reforms that they made years earlier. You know, we're going to be able to show everyone uh, the Abu Dhabi market with those kind of, uh, which are very investor, investor positive. And we think we have an excellent and very interesting market both from a value perspective for investors, but also for an attribute perspective in terms of leisure and this what Sadiat uh, you know means to our region from one of the best uh, you know um, beaches in, in in the region, Yaz Island, you know one of the most uh, uh, well invested leisure destinations and a very and a very easy place to live, Abu Dhabi. So a year ago, your job title actually changed. You were CFO prior, and then you became CFSO, and the S stands for sustainability. So why the change and how are you balancing investor returns and this idea of sustainability? I think that this is the question of 2020, to be honest with you. That is much more than just a title change. I mean, I think the the, the fact that, uh, that, that my office has changed and been reconstituted and, you know, we have elevated to so the board and again, the CEO, uh, we, we've all elevated 
sustainability right to the heart of the management suite and to the heart of the uh, of the board of the company. And you know, it's just a deep, deep acknowledgement from from Aldar that the the, the principles, the philosophy of sustainability in, in all its its, um, its its material topic areas is by far the best way to ensure your company through every cycle will continue to grow and outperform. You know, it, it, it uh, marries and, and, and forces, um, you know, throughout the whole company, every manager and every employee to make a portfolio of decisions, you know, a consistent portfolio of decisions that marry short-term with long-term, that acknowledge multiple stakeholders exist, not just shareholders, um, and that embeds transparency at the heart of, of things that we do so that the, the public and our stakeholders understand that which is important to us and that and what we stand for and how we're doing against, you know, progressing uh, against the goals that, that, that are important to us. So it's much more than environmental um, sensitivity. And, and we refreshed our strategy earlier this year, too, and we're launching our, our, our second sustainability report in the next few days. We're going to be uh, embellishing a lot more on our sustainability strategy um, and, 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 and what the personality of sustainability looks like within Aldar. It's, it's, it's uh, the economy. It's making sure that we grow over the long term. Uh, it's, it's governance. It's making sure that the environment is at the center of, of, uh, of, of all our decision making and that the community uh, that you know, we acknowledge firmly in our strategy that we exist for shareholders, but we're we're a company that comprises people, and we work and live next to other people, and and their perspectives, whether it's government or our neighbors, or uh, you know, are important, and 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 the sustainability just is a framework to bring together consistently all those various features into the portfolio of decisions that we make every year. I know Aldar owns Lulu Island, which is the island that you can see if you're standing, you know, in a skyscraper overlooking the Corniche. It's that island covered in sand. What is to come of Lulu Island? We don't actually own that anymore. So there was an announcement we made last year around a land swap. Uh, so if you see in the press releases, uh, when you hear the word land swap with us, so we um, we took a couple of our massive destinations and gave them back to government. And then government gave us in return some different destinations. Uh, and so what we did is we gave Lulu back to the government and then they gave us an extra few chunks at Sadia. Greg Fewer, Aldar's Chief Financial and Sustainability Officer. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thank you, Kelsey. My pleasure. Before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on the national.ae. The half a billion dirham venture fund, Abu Dhabi's Gadan 21 initiative to invest in startups and VC funds will be transferred to ADQ. The holding company will now be responsible for driving equity investments in early stage companies and venture capital funds. Oracle has become the latest American tech company to hold preliminary talks with ByteDance over the potential acquisition of TikTok's operations in the US, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. The California-based company joins Microsoft and Twitter in the race to acquire the video streaming platform. And UAE-based fintech company Finabler said on Monday that its founder B.R. Shetty has resigned as a director and co-chairman with immediate effect. The development comes after the company hired a law firm last month to investigate any misappropriation of assets. That's it for today. If you've enjoyed this show, please do subscribe or leave a constructive review. All that remains is to thank Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.